0: Hi, I'm Alira Andre. And I'm Rosa Dennis. Welcome Welcome to to All Girls Girls Considered, Considered. a podcast dedicated to telling the stories of inspiring women and girls. Today, we are speaking with Tracy Topkins, who is a teacher, an Algebra II teacher here at Springdale High School.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. And we also have Miss Melinda Pitt. She teaches Spanish here at SHS.
2: Glad to be here.
1: So first, we're going to go ahead and just ask you guys
0: questions that you can both answer. And then we're going to go ahead and just kind of ask individual questions just for each of you so we should start with how long have you two been teaching just in general
2: I've been teaching 17 years overall and six years here at Springdale and this is my 20th year of teaching and my fifth year here at Springdale
1: how did you both get like interested in teaching
2: well, that's a tough question I always wanted to be a teacher and Pursued it in school. I actually originally started out as an English teacher and found it would be more marketable to have a Spanish degree, and I loved the language. And then 17 years later, every single year I've taught Spanish in (laughs) teaching, so who knew? And
0: here at Springdale High School, what's one of the best things about working
2: here? The diversity, the students, I absolutely love my kids. They challenge me every single day to come up with different ways to reach them and to teach them and they make me a better teacher.
3: So I um, actually never wanted to be a teacher. Uh, (laughs) I taught at a drug rehab. I was just a teacher's assistant because I did not have a degree at that time. And um, after teaching at a drug rehab for so long, it gets a little, it gets hard Mm -hmm. to be on that side of it. So I decided I wanted to be a counselor and do drug prevention programs in a junior high. But in Arkansas, you have to teach for two years before you can be a counselor in a school. Mm -hmm. So I went and got my education degree as a means to an end. Picked math because I was good at it and I knew I could get a job in it stepped into the classroom, and never looked back. I loved it, and so I've been doing it ever since by choice.
1: I didn't know any of that. (laughs) That's so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, You teach Spanish, and you know, that's one of the most common languages around here. Mm -hmm. What, at what point in your life did you become interested in the
2: language? So I started school in California. I'm an Air Force brat, and we moved around all over, which was, really cool growing up but one of the things that it afforded me was that I started kindergarten and first grade in California and it's mandatory there or at least it was way back in
1: the time (laughs) that
2: you uh, had to have Spanish in, in school every single year and so I started then and fell in love with it And then didn't take it again until high school and took four years of it and had a phenomenal uh, teacher for three of those four years. Um, Not to say that my other teacher wasn't because she was great too, but uh, having the same teacher for three years, I really, really got to know her, looked up to her, and uh, just fell in love with the language, with the people, and then decided to go ahead and pursue it in college. And um, like Tracy said, I just never looked back.
0: And this is this this next question is for the both of you to answer. But we live, <clears throat> we'll, we go to school here in Springdale, Arkansas, which a lot of the population is Hispanic, mm-hmm. Pacific Islander, and then. You have just Caucasian people and African-American people. How has this diversity opened up your eyes?
2: So growing up, I was always around diversity until my daddy retired. When my father retired, uh, we settled in southern middle Tennessee, in a not so diverse area, um, of of the country, and it it was something that I missed. I will say that teaching here, uh, as much as I had traveled, I had never really heard of the Marshall Islands and Marshall Islanders. So that was a whole new people group. It was a whole new um, way of of uh, culture and. Um, just everything that comes with our islander population. I will say that I relate really well to them because it's very similar to Hispanic populations in that they have their own time and late is on time and I am definitely that person. So, yeah, but it's just the diversity is something that I think that here... Unlike a lot of the other places I've been, I graduated from Memphis State, University of Memphis now, and diversity there was a thing to be feared and hated and caused dissension, versus coming to Springdale where it's something that we celebrate in our classes, we celebrate as a school population, and I really appreciate that. And
0: Ms. Tompkins, how
3: has it um, opened up your eyes? Well, I got to live in the Philippines for two years. Um, even before that though, I, I've always enjoyed getting to know people that have had different experiences, whether that's culturally or otherwise. And um, I actually think my experience in the Philippines may have been one reason I got this job, because in the interview, it was mentioned that our Marshallese might be late to class every once in a while, because mm-hmm. they were walking slowly in the hall. And I mentioned, oh, well, that's just island time, mm-hmm. because they have that in the Philippines. And and so it's actually, I, I've enjoyed that particular culture, because it takes me back to my experience in the Philippines. Um, When we came back from the Philippines, though, we went to Texas, and there was an outlet mall there, Mm -hmm. and I was walking through there one day, and it was just a very odd experience, because I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, I heard some people speaking in a different language, and what was odd was... As I heard that, it gave me this calming effect. And all of a sudden, I realized I actually needed the diversity at that point to feel at home. And so coming here
1: with the diversity we have at the school, I just feel at home. Why do you both think it's important for your subject to be taught? Like a lot of people with math, they don't think it's important. They don't think it's going to be used outside of school, which now that I've been in your class, I know that's not true. Um, Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) What about the subjects you teach do you think are the reasons they're worth being taught?
3: Personally, the math, for me, I get it. There's a lot of the specific math things you're not going to use, but math is about learning how to think. It is that logical process and the problem solving. And the, the numbers and the letters are just a means to an end. That's how we're teaching it to you. So to me, it's one of the most valuable. Um, not to mention the fact that you guys, as a generation, are dependent on technology. Well, guess what? The people smart enough to create that technology know their math.
2: Language is something that we use to communicate. We use it... I mean, we're using it right now. It's something that is so important without language, trying to get your point across is is nearly impossible. And with Spanish, uh, I actually have joked around that I teach more of the grammar than English teachers do Mm -hmm. because uh, I have the luxury of not Having standardized testing and things like that based on my curriculum. So, for the most part, we do take the National Spanish Exam, but I give them a way to decode and decipher things and it's very similar to math in that a lot of it is based on logic and puzzles and and putting puzzles together and i actually do compare it to math quite frequently because you have the formulas in math where you plug in numbers and in language you have the formulas where you plug in words to give you the same type of outcome um so you know i'm kind of partial to it. Not to mention the fact that uh, language and music, uh, music is its own language, math is its own language. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of that kind of ties into going back and making um, students stronger in in their first language because I give them tools that they can use and apply to different languages as needed.
0: And Miss Tompkins, you've been teaching for two decades. Oh. And Yeah. Thanks And Allura. you've almost <laughs> been teaching for two decades. Well then How have you seen like just the role of teaching, like such as technologies, like socially acceptable things to teach change over the course
2: of those years? Well first off I think that All of your teachers that are our age and up deserve a lot more respect because we made it through school without Google. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We know how to work a book.
2: (laughs) And a card catalog.
0: (laughs) I have no idea what a card
2: catalog (laughs) is. (laughs) And there's the generation gap. (laughs) Um, When I first started teaching, cell phones were not a thing that students had, we never had to worry about them. When I was in elementary school, computers had just really come onto the scene and we had the Apple two Cs and the Apple Two E's and it was the best day ever when you went into the computer lab and somebody was dying of dysentery that day because it was Oregon Trail <laughs> and we loved it. Um, know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. The whole that is completely shifted. Yeah. Um the f- the focus, the the idea of um, I was working with. I'm also in my spare time a scoutmaster uh, for a girls' troop with Boy Scouts of America, and uh, last week we were we were working, and one of my girls had something that just hit her wrong, and was getting a bit emotional and so I actually wrote a note to her and I folded it up and I folded it all fancy and tucked it in and wrote pull with an arrow and tossed it at her and they none of the kids knew we literally had to stop what we were doing so that I could teach all of them how to fold paper notes like this.
3: Well, I'm sitting here listening to you going, people, there's a generation listening that has no clue what you're talking about. Right. Yeah.
2: And that was something that notes and uh, writing things down. It's crazy to me how often I get asked when we're taking notes, can I just take a picture of this? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the answer is no because you're not going to remember it because you know as well as I do that three weeks from now when you're going back through looking for a picture, you're going to say, what was that? Oh, delete, never mind. Whereas when you write notes down, there is something in your brain that triggers your memory and and puts it into more of your long-term memory. So we never had when i first started teaching to worry about phones in the classroom Mm -hmm. Um, computers were not a thing we used to have to schedule time and we would have to fight with the english teachers because they would take all of the time in the computer lab all day every day so we would have to pigeonhole in just to get time to type papers or something like that
3: yeah for me the the technology piece that I love is you know I use remind you know Mm we I can actually communicate with my students 24 7 and you know you guys know the joke you can text me at 3 in the morning Mm -hmm. I'm not going to answer you but Mm -hmm. when you're asleep at 6 a.m. I will respond to your question but you know I'm able to actually answer questions whether I'm in the classroom or not, and I get to remind you all of what you need to do and to to bring things, and and that's a connection that I didn't have when Mm -hmm. I started.
1: Mm -hmm. I gotta think.
2: Same thing with emails Mm -hmm. and just all of that. We didn't, our students didn't have email addresses when we started teaching. That Mm -hmm. was just not something you had, and the idea of, everybody had a textbook you came in you use your textbook you made sure to bring to all of your classes lockers were a necessity and yeah you, you all of that that we don't have 50 now. pounds
1: around all day long mm-hmm. because everybody had a locker so our schools issue out Chromebooks every year mm-hmm. has that helped your teaching progress or has that kind of taken it back a little bit
2: I think it's a double-edged sword mm-hmm. I think that there are some wonderful things that I've been able to do with the use of, of Chromebooks and technology and being able to say, hey guys, go to this website, look this up, you can see your answers right away, whether it's right or not, hey, let's play this game that would have taken me 10 hours mm-hmm. to make before and now I can punch in a few keys. Um, but I also think that it makes my job more difficult because students do not communicate uh, in the same way now. It's much more, I'm, I'm finding myself needing to explain much more why writing LOL in a paper is probably not a good idea (laughs) unless you're writing a comic strip. Uh, It just is not, it's not appropriate that there is a a written communication and a spoken communication and more so register. Uh, I'm finding with the the later generations that they don't understand register and that there is a time that you use this language and there's a time that you use this other more appropriate language to this. For instance, I wouldn't go up to you know, Dr. Rollins and ask how it's hanging. That would probably be a very (laughs) bad idea, right? But I would go up to him and say, hi, Dr. Rollins, how are you doing today? It's lovely to see you, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. And so getting across that there's a time and a place for each of these things and that their communication that they use with their family and friends is not bad. It's just not necessarily what you want to use when you're in a job interview.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because the, the technology can definitely help, but the generational thing is with a generation growing up without ever not having the technology, there are things we're having to teach that we haven't had to teach before. Right. And that appropriateness and that situational thing is, is a lot of that. And I'm having to address it in math as well as the English teachers or, you know, because you're still in different situations.
1: Teachers and students have a lot of misconceptions of each other. Like usually we just, we think of school and we don't think past that. Like we don't think that we're each individual, that we're just coming here, then we're learning for eight hours and then we go home. And so what misconceptions do you think students really have about teachers? I think one of them is
3: that when we set boundaries and are strict, it's because that is necessarily our personality and how we live. When it's actually, we have a job to do, and part of that is to help you all grow in a safe place. You know, we're not always like that. That's appropriate for the situation that we're in. Um, I went to a uh, get-together with a neighbor and sat outside was talking to a young lady she was 16 years old and we were just having a good old talk and pretty soon she says oh well, what do you do and I said I'm a teacher And she kinda hesitated and said well, what do you mean and I'm like well I'm a high school teacher and She said, what do you teach? I said math. And she said I'm sitting here talking to a teacher like I mean she was very taken aback because she had never sat outside of school and talked to a teacher, and she was enjoying it, which horrified her even more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were real people, and you, I think students don't understand how much we actually care about how well you all do. Like, it puts me in a bad mood to grade a test that students do poorly on, yeah. because I know how much effort i put into it, and I know how much i begged them to, to prepare but in the same breath I literally have jumped up and down before and giggled when a class did really well mm-hmm. because I was so happy for them that they had gotten it and that was going to have a really good effect
2: on their grade I go back and forth on this one um, I have children that are not much older than the two of you um, they are 19 and 21 and so. Uh, I actually found it much easier when my kids got a little bit older to, to relate to my students. But a lot of a lot of it is because a lot of my students look at me as, as a school mom. So I I want my students to know how much I care about them and that I'm not the only one that there are dozens and dozens of, of us in the building that are pulling for them and want the best for them. And it honestly breaks my heart when I see them making decisions that are theirs to make, mm-hmm. but I see the consequences down the road. Um, one of my students that I just... He was with me for two years in class. He was um, on my quiz bowl team, our quiz bowl team. Um, He made a decision that has cost him years and years and years and years of his life. And it breaks my heart because I wanted so much more for him and yet at the same time we've got on Facebook right now because it's uh, teacher appreciation week and so we've got on on Facebook there's a thing going around to have former students uh, tell us how they're doing and I have cried with joy uh, to hear how my former students are doing and the the things that they're doing and the difference that they're making and just all of the amazing things. Um, I think that we say oftentimes that we want what's best for you and we want to celebrate your, your um, good choices and your successes, but I don't know that students actually believe that we really do want that that I give a kid detention because I want to change a behavior not because I want to punish someone I take zero joy Mm -hmm. in it and as a matter of fact it's more work for me because I have to fill out a form but it's because something needs to change and that's that's why we do it. It has nothing to do with with wanting to hurt someone or, or being petty or personal. It has to do with the fact that we really do want to uh, to change these behaviors when it's a small thing rather than not changing them and letting it get to be something where you wake up and 30 years of your life are gone and you don't even realize it.
0: And I remember um, specifically in elementary school, I can't remember what grade, but I remember just kind of like walking by a classroom and I hear these teachers kind of talking and complaining how like the school I attended, they didn't give the teachers a lot of resources to use with their students. And, um, and these teachers didn't get paid a lot either. So a lot of the times they would have to use their own money to provide stuff for the classroom. How do you think schools across the nation can help teachers better educate their students as far as providing materials?
2: Well, they say that money doesn't solve problems, but I sure would like to try. (laughs) Wouldn't be a bad thing (laughs) to have a little more. Um,
3: (sighs) That kind of, uh, definitely we need money, but um, I've taught in four different states, and I've taught from small charter schools to the largest high school in Central Texas. And what I have seen is it is the support of administration and being treated as though we are professionals and we know how to do our jobs, Mm -hmm. that allows us to do more Mm -hmm. than the money would, especially with technology, with the Internet and access to as much as we have access to. Yes, we need resources, but that support and respect is... More important,
2: and understanding that we are experts or close to experts in our fields, mm-hmm. that we know and have studied curriculum and things like that, and and just like you, I've taught in in three different states, um, in very diverse schools, and. I've had some administrators who were absolutely amazing and I've had others that my stress level was through the roof all the time because I was just terrified that I was going to say one thing that wasn't going to be what I needed to say wherever and and that I was going to get called into the principal's office, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And a lot of students you know we see you guys as like the ultimate boss because you're the boss of us but we fail to remember that you guys are under the pressure of administration and then those people are under the pressure of the superintendent who's under the pressure of the
3: state which is
2: and the school board and federal and everybody has a boss yeah uh maybe not bill gates but everybody (laughs) else has a boss yeah so and and it's We've all got somebody that's depending on us and and looking uh, to to either help and support or to tear down, and Tracy's right. It makes a huge difference when you have support, and I feel like we really do have that here, mm-hmm. that we – I, heaven knows how many times I have gone to Mr. Myers for things in the classroom or quiz bowl or whatever else, and he's gotten to the point where he just looks at me and says, okay, what do you need now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What can I do for you? How can I make it happen? Mm -hmm. And he finds a way to do that. Miss Fought, Mm -hmm. same thing, so. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Why do you think there's such a like a rift between teachers and students cuz i've had the, the privilege of having some very transparent teachers so mm-hmm. i know that teachers earned a lot of stress from you know reading the curriculum mm-hmm. and finding new ways to teach their students why do you think like why do you think people think it's not appropriate to become closer with your teacher personally
3: I think a little bit of that, okay? Not all of it, but I think a little bit of that is the present culture, okay? Um, personally, I'm a hugger, okay? I, I, that's my answer to somebody feeling bad is, is a hug. But we are in a culture right now where that is not necessarily appropriate for everyone. It, it can be taken the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so, that's really hard for me, Um, but, you know, we're in a generation where, in a culture where the impression that is given, or the, everybody questions intent, let me put it that way. And it's not necessarily the intent behind it, but the intent that's received. And so, for me as a teacher, that's in the back of my mind often, okay? Okay. Um, I try to be open and supportive within those boundaries that anybody else could look at and go, there's nothing wrong with that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm.
2: And I think some of it is gender roles play a huge part of it. I think that Mm -hmm. we have an advantage in that it's much less suspect for me to hug a student than it would be for one of the male teachers mm-hmm. to hug a student. Right, wrong, or otherwise, mm-hmm. that's reality and that's the reality that we live in today. But I also think that some of it is, I think some of it is the age. Um, it's Y'all are at an age right now where you're not children, and you're not adults. Mm -hmm. And you want to be treated all the time like adults, but sometimes you still want to act like kids.
0: And get those kids' consequences. Yes. Right.
2: And that is something that I think hampers some of that relationship. Mm -hmm. I had somebody very wise tell me that, when working with teenagers, and this was in the very, very beginning of my career, but when working with teenagers, every day has to be just like you've never met them before. You've never uh, had anything bad happen. You've never had that uh, the bad things in a relationship happen, that, it, that it's all washed away. A lot of it is, is hormones and the mm-hmm. influx of hormones and just physiological mm-hmm. things, too. And some of it's just uh, old peer pressure. Well, and I think, too, I know that
3: in the last 10 years, I have had students that have experienced things that when I started teaching, I, I never would have believed could have happened and as culture progresses good and bad um, you all as teenagers learn defense mechanisms Mm -hmm. and sometimes those defense mechanisms are put up to us we are adults and sometimes that's where bad things have happened and I try to be really careful when I know something's wrong I try to be careful just to go what's wrong you know i i offer you know is everything okay and if you a student wants to talk about it i'm going to be there but i've had students become very defensive by me asking what's wrong because it is none of my business you know and so that's you know we we kind of learn how to how to approach students based on how students have responded to things
2: Well, and there are things that students are dealing with that I don't remember ever having Mm -hmm. to deal with. And even in the the first part of my teaching career, it wasn't until I came to Springdale that I openly knew that I had students that were homeless Mm -hmm. or couch surfing Mm -hmm. or that I had students who had to worry every single day about their immigration status mm-hmm. and worry about where food was coming from. That was not something that growing up, I remember worrying about for a minute, mm-hmm. not not ever. And yet some of my students, that is a daily concern for them Um, the, the other thing with that is the bullying, we had bullying when we were in school, but we didn't have cyber bullying. Mm -hmm. And, and even in my first years of teaching, when you had bullying, you had the kid who would sneak around and do stuff behind the teacher's back and, uh, had maybe the clan that was with them and doing but you didn't have the anonymity mm-hmm. of the internet. And so the, the stuff that, that teenagers are dealing with now is honestly not the same stuff that my generation dealt with. That's not to say that it didn't exist, except cyberbullying, it really didn't exist. But it was... Things it, exist in a different Bullying way. was in a different form. You knew who was picking on you. You knew those types of things. And so I think that that's something that, that teens are dealing with now, that as teachers, we're having to come up with means to approach and help students to, um, to work with this that we were never trained for. Yeah, our
3: jobs are continually developing into something new as new things come up. So thank you two for
0: mm-hmm. being here and taking the time out of your day mm-hmm. to come speak Absolutely. with us. Um, Pleasure. we're going to end it off with this final question. And that is what advice would you guys give to
3: girls listening to that pod- this podcast? I would say to have confidence in yourself. Um, I grew up never thinking about whether or not I was good in math or science. I just, took what I enjoyed doing, and I did it. Don't listen to what other people say you can or can't do, or whether they say that you can or can't do it for a reason. Just have confidence in yourself, set your mind to something that you want to do,
2: and do it. And I would say, enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. I look back on my time and think about all of the time that I spent worrying about what somebody else thought about me or worrying about the fact that I didn't look like I thought somebody should or the fact that I wasn't pretty enough or I wasn't reserved enough I was too outgoing or I didn't say the right things and when it all comes down to it, we worry about what other people think about us when in reality, most of the time, other people aren't thinking about us. <laughs> They're worried about what other people are thinking about them. Yes. So stop wrapping yourself up so much in what other people think and just enjoy the journey. Go outside. Uh, Feel free to pick up a book and read whatever you enjoy. Don't worry about what somebody else says is good or do things that you enjoy. Don't worry about what other people are are going to think or say.
0: Thank you so much yeah, for being you. here. Thank you. It's our pleasure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See you next time.